Hey, real quick, in Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 10, the Bible, uh, this is the Lord's Prayer, and Jesus is talking here, and it's our key verse of Scripture in everyday life. And the title of this morning's message is Three Waves. Three Waves. And the Scripture says this, it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And a lot of times when we read the Scriptures, we read this, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, and we stop. Jesus didn't really stop. Now, when we canonize the Scriptures or put them in the format that they're in, the people who wrote it and translated it into the English language added the commas and the verses and all this other stuff. And so what Jesus meant for it to be one continuous passage, how is the kingdom of God going to come through the earth? It's through every day your daily bread of getting empowered by the kingdom of God. So as you read it, you really should read it like this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven as you give us today our daily bread. So every day on the way, Jesus wants to use your everyday life to do miracles. And I saw a perfect example of this last Sunday before church was even complete. Well, I guess we were completely dismissed, but church really didn't dismiss. Because as I was leaving, I saw about seven or eight people helping somebody change a tire right after church last Sunday. Amen. Praise God. That's miracles every day on the way. Give yourself a hand clap of praise. That's awesome. Because I've seen churches before where somebody's changing a tire and everybody's just, I'm out. <laughs> you know, and they jet and leave that one person there all by themselves. And then me and Pastor Corey were uh, having our oversight meeting at Starbucks and we were drinking coffee. And we noticed that the manager of Starbucks was trying to change the trash can and talking on the phone and handle business. And so I just looked over at Corey and said, let me help this lady with the trash right quick. And so we both went over there and helped her with the trash, and, and, and it was a mess. It was overflowing everywhere, and, and she came back by, and she was almost in tears. I said, is there anything we can pray with you about? She said, yes, I'm one of seven kids, and my brother was just in a, a crazy bad car accident, and they don't know if he's going to make it. And so she's trying to change the trash. Well, hearing that her brother is being uh, transported to a hospital in another state and doesn't even know if he's going to make it or not, and, and, and us just helping change the trash that day changed her life in that moment. Because afterwards, I said this to her. I said, well, can we pray for you? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, we pastor a church. She said, believe me, I know the presence of God because my father's a pastor. That's why I've avoided you for so long. <laughs> So she's running from God is what she admitted, but in every day on the way, in everyday life, helping somebody change the trash, it transformed her opinion of what church is like in the Northeast Texas region to give God praise and glory from what Jesus Christ would have done is help change the trash. What the Pharisees would have done is said, she can change it herself, it's not my job. So God wants to use you every day on the way through miracles after miracles. And I can go through a list of things that have happened this week of how God can use you every day on the way. And he specifically wants to use you in your everyday life. And so as we open this message, what we want to do is we want to cause and, and really highlight the disconnect that there is between how you live on Saturday, how you live on Sunday, and how you live on Monday. And a lot of us, how you live on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday is illustrated by the clothes you wear. That's why all of October, I'm challenging every one of you to not dress religiously, but dress in everyday attire. This is the reason I'm here in shorts and a t-shirt on Sunday morning. This is not my normal Sunday morning attire, but if it's every day on the way, well, there should not be a disconnect between how we live between Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And I'm going to 
do this, say this, that this is just the illustration. I don't care how you dress on Sunday versus Saturday versus Monday. I care how you live on Saturday, how you live on Sunday, and how you live on Monday because God wants to use you every day on the way. And so that's the reason why we're dressing casual this month is because we're trying to break the mental disconnect of how we live on Saturday versus Sunday mornings versus what we have to do on Monday mornings. And so I want you to uh, I want to go over these transformational thinking moments again for this series. And number one is this, anything... Fun, church, career, hobbies, dinner, done outside the presence of God is sin. But I want to clarify some of this because I, I had a couple questions raised about this. Because somebody brought up Psalm 139 and said, Well, pastor, if it says, where can I go from your presence? If I go to heaven, you're there. And if I go to Sheol, you're there. I can't escape your presence. And that is talking about the omnipresence of Almighty God. And yes, that is true. There is the omnipresence of Almighty God. But there's also the intimate presence of Almighty God that only a believer has that ushers in his glory. And it's that still small voice that you hear. And it's where the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. And so the presence of God that I'm talking about is that presence. The presence that only comes from intimacy, not the omnipresence that is the grace of God that got you born again. Because we know this in the omnipresence of God. There's no place we can run from his presence. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And so the presence of God is so amazing. It can reach you at any point, anytime, anywhere, any place. Because he is the omnipresence of God. But there's a presence that you step into as a son and a daughter of God. That's the intimate presence of God. That where the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the presence of God that brings the glory of God. That brings the kingdom of God of God from heaven to earth. That's the presence I'm talking about. So anything done outside of that presence, I'm saying we need to hear the voice of God. And if we do it outside of that presence, the hearing of the voice of God, we're doing it in our own thinking, in our own mind. And I would tend to say that most of that has not been truly um, transformed by the renewing of our mind, so it's done in our flesh. And so that's the presence of God, that anything done outside of that presence is what I will say, it's done out of our flesh or sinful nature. And so if we are working, and here's the other transformational thinking moment, if we are working for God and not from God, we've missed it. And Christianity is like any other works-based religion. So I need us to begin to rest in the presence of God so much, stay in that presence where we hear his voice at all times, where the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, descended on Jesus as a dove and rested on him. Now listen, the Holy Spirit in you is for you. The Holy Spirit on you is for somebody else. Right? So the Holy Spirit in Joel is the deposit guaranteeing his salvation. The Holy Spirit that comes upon Joel as he's preaching and teaching and stuff, it's for the edification of the body of Christ. And so I want to say so sensitive to that spirit, that presence of God that's on me, that it begins to transform everything about my life. And so I want to work from God and not for God because Christianity is not a works-based religion. Anything of the kingdom of God is always, uh, is always received, not achieved. If you're trying to work your way to a greater anointing, you're not going to get there. But if you're surrendering yourself into the presence of God and resting and relying on his grace to get you to where you're called to be, well, that's a completely different type of living as a believer. So I want to encourage you as we jump into this morning's message called Three Waves, we're going to talk about the life of Mary and Martha once again. And as we do this, if this is everyday life, every day and on the way, I said I'm going to do things purposely during services to kind of get the religion in you to, to let us understand it's still there some. 
And, and so um, I'm not going as far as Isaiah had to for three years. But, but, but is it okay if I, if I take off my socks and shoes and preach barefooted this morning? Is that okay? I mean, I'm up here. You ain't going to smell nothing way down there. I mean, right? <laughs> and and so, so as I take off my socks and shoes, I'm going to preach barefooted. Some of you are like, he really going to preach barefooted? Yeah, I'm really going to preach barefooted, okay? I, I really am. And Jesus watched people's feet barefooted, right? He did every day on the way barefooted sometimes. Isaiah, God told him he had to take off his shoes and all his clothes and be naked for three years. So I'm not going as far as Isaiah. I ain't going to make you that uncomfortable. <laughs> amen. Praise God. That's a good hallelujah. That's the best amen I've gotten in months. Amen. Come on. But as we do life every day on the way, you know how I walk around my house 90% of the time? Barefooted. I don't have shoes on all the time or socks on all the time unless it's winter time and then I'm cold. And so then I got shoes and socks on. But in this if God wants to do miracles through us and in us and to us and for us every day on the way, we're going to have to change some things about how we do things. And so as we're in this series, we're going to follow the life of Mary and Martha. And a lot of us would love to say, oh, pastor, I love the Mary moments, but the problem is 99% of our life is filled with the Martha lifestyle. Mary is the one who sat at Jesus' feet in his presence. And she chose the good portion. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Martha's the one who is uh, anxiously busy about all these things. And so that's where we're going to jump into it this morning. Luke 10, 38 through 42 says this. Now, as they went, talking about Jesus and the disciples, on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha, everybody say Martha, welcomed him into her house. Everybody say her house. Whose house was it? It was Martha's house. It wasn't Mary's house. It was Martha's house. He went into a house of Martha's, and it was her house, and Martha had a sister called Mary. Notice she wasn't named Mary. It wasn't her younger. It was, she's called Mary, <laughs> right? You can already sense the animosity a little bit in this story, right? Hey, I got a brother. He's called Jeff. <laughs> it's not he's my brother. Je yeah, I got a sibling. He's called Jeff, <laughs> right? Do, do you understand the, the sense of what's going on here? And Mary, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. How wonderful, right? We love that part. We all want to say we are that part, but this is most of us. But Martha was distracted with much serving or obligation, and she went up to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve? Question. She doesn't even give Jesus time to answer and said, tell her to come help me right tell her to come help me but the lord answered her martha martha you are anxious and troubled about many things but one thing is necessary mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her so where does this leave us now remember what i said last week if you leave here and your toes hurt i'm sorry i missed it because i'm going for your heart this morning I'm not going for your toes. So you can take your shoes off too if you want to. Get comfortable. But I'm going for your heart. I'm praying that God would move in your heart. And so over the next two weeks, we're going to address these five spirits. We're going to hit the first three today. The five are this, obligation, manipulation, victimization. And the next week, we're going to hit interpretation and expectations. So today, as we're hitting uh, obligations, manipulations, and victimizations, this hits Joel right square in the face. <laughs> Amen. This is your pastor that when I read this story, I'm like, yeah, but I still think Martha's right. 
Come on, now somebody be with me on this one. Somebody be with me on this one. I still think Martha is right. Somebody's got to do the laundry. Somebody's got to cook the dinner. Somebody's got to make sure the church doors are open. Somebody's got to. Can I get an amen from somebody in the house? Anybody like this? So, so I still, part of me is like got to reconcile that Jesus is truly right. <laughs> right? Jesus is always right. But I got to change my heart because part of me says, but Martha, Martha, Martha. Right? Come on now. Y'all are going to learn a lot about me in this series if you don't know me. So when you go, if you've ever been surfing, waves come in sets of three. And just like waves, these three spirits, obligation, manipulation, and victimization, roll in one right after the other. If you let the spirit of obligation take over you, you're going to fall into manipulation and victimization many a times. And we're going to jump into that. So obligations, what about this? Obligations is this. And a woman named Martha welcomed him, Jesus, into her house. So Martha had the responsibility of making sure the house was taken care of. And she had a sister called Mary. Right? So here's the thing about the account that no one ever preaches. It was Martha's house. She had the responsibilities. She had to take care of the bills, the internet, the taxes, the food, the cleaning, the cooking. Okay, maybe she didn't have internet, but you have internet, and heaven forbid if the internet goes out at your house, half of your obligations don't get done. Maybe the internet should go out at your house. And so she had all these responsibilities. In every marriage, you have this fight. Somebody feels they have the obligation to make sure all the responsibilities get done. Come on, somebody had me. I knew somebody had my back in the church. Come on, we got all these responsibilities. You know, this is why the, 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 I don't even know if it's joking more. It used to be said, well, Joel's the serious one. Well, somebody's got to be. The question is, do they? The question is, really, do they? See, because I'm over here advocating Martha, 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 and Jesus is saying, no, but it's Mary, Mary, Mary. So the question I have for you, with all these obligations, Jesus went into Martha's house, and her jobless, homeless sister was there, amen, for all you Martha people. Come on, right? It never says Mary had a job. It never said she helped with the cleaning. It never said she helped with the cooking. It just, every time Jesus showed up, she'd run to his feet. That's all it says. In the body of Christ, that probably should be the norm. But are we so busy with our obligations that we miss what Jesus is really wanting us to do? Jesus is not discounting the importance of the obligations, but he wasn't going to be manipulated by the attitude or the spirit that Martha was doing it in. See, here's the thing. Martha had the obligations. It was her responsibility. But she also had the spirit of obligation that she was trying to manipulate Jesus with. Right? Jesus, tell her to come help me. He does, she doesn't even give the Son of God himself time to answer. Right? Jesus, tell her to come help me. Or no, here's, here's exactly what she says. She actually says um, 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 this. She goes up to him and says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? She didn't let the Son of God answer. She said, well, tell her to come help me. Do you understand the spirit of obligations that she's dealing with? Now, Jesus isn't discounting the importance of all the things that you've got to do in your life, but he is making sure that the obligational spirit that you're doing it in isn't what's driving you to make sure it's done. Now, listen, it wasn't that Martha wasn't doing what, 
doing, it wasn't that Martha was doing what wasn't important, it just wasn't important in the moment. And we've talked about that last week. You cannot continue to get mad at others if you have the opportunity to choose the good portion, but you choose the obligation. I'm going to say that again. You cannot get mad at other people. Martha cannot get mad at Mary when she had the same opportunity to choose the good portion, but she chose the obligation. Right? All you Martha people, just hold your hand up and say, that's right. Right? Because I cannot get mad if people in my life are enjoying life. And I have the same opportunity to enjoy life, but I choose the obligation instead of the life. Come on now. I mean, if we, I may not get past this point. I may have to scrap the rest of this series until we get this point down. Because so much of this is the body of Christ today. Well, I'm over here mopping the church floor, and they're just sitting over there worshiping Jesus. <laughs> Somebody's got to make the coffee. No, they don't. You've gone through church all your life without coffee. and until the past 20 years that churches have to have coffee in the house. Right? Tell me, come on now. See, it's not somebody else's fault if you choose the obligation over the good portion. Somebody else will do it. Somebody else will take care of it. I promise it will get taken care of. I used to be the worst about this. Well, somebody's got to be up there early to open. Somebody's got to stay late to close. I guess I'll choose it. Well, I promise somebody would have locked the church doors if I didn't. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's the Martha. It's the Martha in me. It's just, see, it's still creeping back up. I just got to get rid of it. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, we got to drop this obligational stuff. I know there's stuff that has to be done. I know there's stuff that has to get done. I know you got stuff to do in the house, and I know you got stuff to do at your job, but uh, the, the principle of this is if you always have the opportunity to choose the good portion of the obligation and you always choose the obligation, you're being, stri- you're being driven by a works-based Christianity or obligation-based, and you're trying to work for God, not from God, and you're missing the good portion, and that's nobody else's fault but the one who chose the obligation. Notice how I kind of skirted that for you a little bit. I, I didn't say, but yours. I said, but the one who chose the obligation. Now listen, I do not want you to fall into this spirit of obligation because if you fall into a spirit of obligation, you're going to get disgruntled as a believer and you're working for God, not from God. You're going to be the older brother in the story of the prodigal son who I've been slaving for you all these years and you never even gave me a small little goat, much less a cat, fatted calf, Right? I've heard this before. Joel, I've been here for 10 years, and you praised the person who just started last week. I get, man, I get, I get stuff like this constantly. Well, I'm praising you now. You're doing a great job. Hallelujah. <laughs> Bless you. I love you. You know, and your attitude about how you react when somebody else gets honored shows you the spirit you're doing what you're doing it in. Hmm. <clears throat> Going for your heart, not your toes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God's breaking down walls. I can just sense it right now. I mean, truly, I'm not being funny on that. I really believe the attitude in which you celebrate somebody else's honor or success or victory shows the, shows the spirit in which, in which you're doing what you're doing it out of in your own life. And so listen to this. Martha, as we talk about manipulations, Martha was distracted with much serving or obligation. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care 
that my sister has left me all alone. Tell her to help me. Do you love the passive aggressiveness also? <laughs> Lord, do you not care? Here's the guilt trip. Right? I, I, I've heard this in, in, through all the years of marriage counseling. That's why I gave it away to somebody else to do. <laughs> I do all the work in the house. And they never help out with anything. Really, never? Me and my wife laugh about this conversation. Because I am the extremist in the family. It's always or never. We always eat pizza. Do we always eat pizza? We eat it like once every two weeks. I mean, if you eat three meals a day, I mean, you got plenty of other meals that we did not eat pizza, but we always eat pizza, right? I'm the extremist. Or we never get to go here or there, or do whatever. So I'm the, I'm, the mar- I'm the extremist. Corey, why are you laughing? <laughs> Me and Corey, we've talked about this. He's the same way. So I'm trying to coach him in life. So that way he doesn't fall victim over 15 years of what I fell victim to. Get out of the always and the nevers, people. Because if you are an always and a never, you're going to manipulate everything that you do to try and get your way to get people to help you do what you think has to be done when you always have the better portion you can choose. So she is the classic passive-aggressive. Martha chose obligation over the opportunity. They both had the opportunity. Martha chose obligation. When she chose obligation, Jesus did not take her side, so she resorted to manipulation. Lord, do you not care? Point one, my sister has left me to serve all alone. Point two, then tell her to help me. Point three, do you see what she's working through and working in the scary moment? Here's the scariest moment of it all. And it doesn't even take place in this account. It takes place in the the Gospel of John, chapter number um, uh, uh, 11. When This this is a story where they raised Lazarus from the dead. And in John 11, 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, there's the passive-aggressive coming out again. My brother would not have died. So she's blaming him for everything. Because she always does everything. And when finally something was out of her control, she couldn't fix everything. She had to blame the only one she knew that could have fixed everything. And he didn't even show up on time. On purpose, he didn't show up on time. Read the account. Jesus heard about it. He said, we're going to hang out here for two more days. (laughs) Go read the story. Lazarus chapter 11. John chapter 11. Lazarus is sick and he's about to die. Jesus said, it's all right. This won't lead to death. It'll glorify God. We're going to hang out here for two more days. So he's four days late. And they run out to him. Jesus, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. Now, here's the scary thing. Now, Mary came to where Jesus was when she saw him. She fell at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So the spirit of obligation that Martha, that led Martha to manipulation that she always operated in in her household now has rubbed off on her younger sister. So when Mary ran to the feet of Jesus this time, she didn't worship. She had the same manipulation as her older sister. Trying to break this in my kids right now. Caleb, it is not always and never. You take it after your daddy quit. There's some things you need to be like your mama in, and this may be one of them. Be a little more even keel. Don't be the extremist. Because the manipulations that you always run your house in will rub off on people in your house. And they'll become victim of the same spirit that you've been manipulating in, and they'll begin to So your manipulations of any kind, if not dealt with, will infiltrate the whole household environment and your obligations, if you think you have to do everything all the time, will lead to your manipulations. Passive aggressiveness. Slamming dishes when you're trying to wash them. 
taking laundry to, from here to there, slamming it on the ground. What's wrong, honey? Nothing's wrong with me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Come on now. Y'all like, that's it. You got my heart on that one. It was my toes first, but now it's my, right? You know what I'm talking about. And er, literally, I say, I'll say it like this. Every one of us has a Martha part of us, though, that we've got to put in balance and in check. Not even put in balance, let Jesus deliver, actually. We all got a Martha side of us that if we'll let Jesus deliver, I promise all the obligations will get done, but they'll get done in the right spirit. And we'll follow these two ladies throughout the, the, the rest of this series. And with that coming to an end, the series coming to an end here in a couple weeks, we're going to find out, does Martha ever get it right? Does she ever get it right? And as we're closing this message out, as the worship team's come and the altar ministers, if you guys would make your ways to each side of the, the, the auditorium here and get ready to, ready to pray with people, I want to close with this about victimization. Your obligations, if not put in check, will lead to manipulations, which will lead you to victimization. And you will play the victim card in your life. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Then tell her to help me. This is the passive aggressive. Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? And the victim says this. Doesn't even give him time to answer. Then tell him, tell her, tell this person, tell that person. If you really love me, then you would or you wouldn't do this ever. Why do we do this to the people we love the most? In our form of manipulation, when we feel we're the victim, if he really loved me, he would bring me flowers all the time. If she really loved me, she would blah, 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 blah. If they really love me, if my kids really love me, or if my parents really love me, if I really felt loved, listen, the only person you are going to feel completely loved by is the Heavenly Father. And if we don't begin to base everything in our life on the love of the Heavenly Father that He has for us, we will always be disappointed in every aspect of life. Because His love is the only perfect love. His love is the only love that can fulfill completely. If I am looking for my wife to complete me, I'm wrong. She does not complete me. She compliments me, and he completes me. And I don't care what junk line, sorry. I don't care what junk line you've heard from a movie. Oh, you complete me. Your spouse will never complete you. They never will. But he will complete you. He will. And if you're looking for another imperfect person to completely complete you, you get two imperfects together. You don't get a perfect. You get twice as imperfect. This is why marriage is not 50-50. It's 100 and 100, and it still is a struggle. Come on now. Get with me on this. I'm telling you guys. And it all starts with how you view your obligations. The spirit of obligations, the spirit of works-based religion, the spirit of I've got to do this for God to make him happy. The one thing you've got to do that makes the fathers happy is exactly what Laura said when we started off. Said, Wake up and say, Daddy, I love you. What do we want to do today? And sometimes it's going to be, we're going to complete every one of your obligations. Sometimes it's going to be like yesterday and a flood comes. And all your obligations that you had to get done, you can't get done because of the rain. And now you're mad at God as well. And your son comes up to you and says, Daddy, 
Will you come play in the rain? And I'm thinking, we got laundry, we got house cleaning, we got all these Martha obligations. And my answer was, yes! <laughs> and I walked outside, and y'all, that rain was freezing cold. <laughs> it was so cold. But my son, but my son, by asking me yesterday, made me choose how I would live out this message. Will you choose the better portion, or will you choose the obligation? Because in 20 years from now, you know what's going to happen? I did go out in the rain and play with my son yesterday for who knows how long. My feet still hurt today because I don't know how kids run barefooted on a driveway and gravel. God, it hurts. But with all that, in 20 years from now, my son will never remember that daddy did one more load of laundry. The floors were clean. The dishes were completely done in the sink. And oh, because daddy felt complete, the house was good, right? He'll remember. We're going to run through the rain. We're going to ride scooters. And he's going to beat daddy because he really is faster than his daddy on his scooter. I mean, he really is. He's good. And I'm going to bust my face almost on the concrete. And somehow that is choosing the better portion. I haven't reconciled it in here how it's the better portion in my head. Because laundry still ain't done. The house still isn't completely clean. All the obligations still have to be done. But my heart is full. My heart is full. And you know, when you get in the presence of God, two things can happen. You can worship out of obligation or you can worship because you get to. And you'll know the difference when your heart is full at the end of it. When your heart is full, when it's all said and done. So Jesus, this is where Jesus is so good and Pastor Joel is not. Jesus sees the obligations, the manipulations, and the victimizations and still deals with her gently. I love the story of Moses. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the winds that tore the mountains apart. He was in the whisper. And this is why I read it like this when I read the Martha part of it. He says this to Martha. A lot of us read it like this. Jesus saying, Martha, Martha. I don't believe Jesus said it like that. Because if he is the direct image of his daddy, which is the father in heaven, he would have said this. Martha. Martha. I know you got a lot of stuff that you're going through. I know all the things that got to be done with the house and the car and the breakdowns and the life that you're going through. I know it all. But come here, listen to me. Listen to me. I don't believe he was mean. I believe he was very gentle. Because you know how you overcome the spirit of obligation, victimization, and manipulation that rear their ugly head and they're ranting at everybody? You become gentle. And that makes him matter, by the way. Right? He said, Martha, Martha, come here. I'm going to tell you what's good. I know you got a lot of stuff that you're doing, and it's all stuff that's got to be done. I understand the obligations. But when you have the opportunity to choose the good portion and the opportunity to choose the obligation, I'm going to tell you to embrace the moment of opportunity. See, I had an opportunity yesterday that I'll never have again. I can look like an idiot and run with my son in the rain and not know who cares, who cares. But it was an opportunity that I'll never get back. So I said, you know what? I'm going to choose the opportunity. I'm going to embrace the moment of what God has for me. Today, 
you have the opportunity right now. And here's what we're fixing to do. In just a minute, I'm going to have every one of you stand. And you're going to have the opportunity to go to one of these ministers on either side of the auditorium. And if you'll turn and look on both sides, I want you to see where they are. Y'all wave your hands. I know it's kind of dark on the side. You see them, they're all ready to pray with you. You're going to have the opportunity in just a moment to come and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. To come and say, hey, I'm ready to get over obligation, manipulation, and victimization. And let God change your life. Or if you need prayer for anything in your life, healing, agreement, faith, whatever, we want to pray with you. You also can come and take the Lord's Supper here this morning with us. But don't miss this opportunity because you right now have the obligation or the opportunity to choose the good portion or to choose the obligation. And it's all up to you. So would you stand with me this morning? As you're standing with me.